Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. Not everything that happens to you feels good. But you can rejoice in the Lord. Not everything that happens is good. But we rejoice in the Lord. We have a mindset. I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to thank Him. Because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And I have really the greatest gift ever given. The gift of my salvation. And we're going to live a straight life in a crooked world. God has taken His time to give you special attention. In today's message, Pastor Ed wants you to grasp the fact that the Creator of the universe has placed His love upon you, and He's concerned for you. Whatever you're facing, whatever you've done, if you don't know Him yet, you can now. Or if you need to recommit your life, do it now. Either way, it's the most important decision you'll ever make. Friends, we need to give proper consideration and attention to this Christian life. It's the only way to walk a straight path in a crooked world. Well, let's join Pastor Ed in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 13, for his continuing study entitled, A Disciplined Walk. We need to take time to build ourselves up spiritually. We're just not going to walk in the church and all of a sudden, somehow we're zapped and at 12.30 on Sunday morning, we walk out, you know, just on cloud nine. No, no, no. It starts here. Things happen here. God begins to speak to us and deal with us. But it takes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of walking with the Lord, working on your own salvation. Again, imagine if we put the same amount of time in our work or the effort that we do in our work secular work or in our education and we would put it into our spiritual life man we'd be happy people (laughs) we'd be a successful people in the Lord now it's our work God gives us a responsibility he tells us to work out our own salvation and then he qualifies it and says do it with fear and trembling that's recognizing that God's presence is right there. He is working in the church. He is working in our lives individually. He has divine appointments for us. He's arranging the circumstances of our life. Uh, And you see those things as you go through life, how God sort of orchestrates events and all sorts of things in your life. And it's God working in your behalf. And as God is working in your behalf, you walk and say, Lord, I want to reverence you. I want to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. You have given the very best gift possible, the gift of your son to me. You put so much time and effort into my life. Now, it is not only our work, that's one aspect of it, but the text tells us God's work in verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. That word God who works in you is the idea of energizing you. God sets the fire in your heart. Before I was saved, if you would have come and given me a nice Bible with all sorts of steady helps, I would have said, I'm not interested in this. If you would have come to me and said, listen, would you come to church with me? I don't have time for that. How about let's go into a prayer meeting? Prayer meeting? I don't think so. 
But once I got saved, you would have given me that Bible. That's great. I, I want to read the word. Church, yeah, let's go to church. Go to a prayer. Yeah, that's good. What happened? Salvation came into my life, and all of a sudden my desires changed. God is working in us, putting his desires in us. When you have those good thoughts, thoughts like, you know, I need to go and apologize to so-and-so. Where do you think that came from? When you have those thoughts, I think I need to turn off the television right now and open up the book and spend some time with God. You know, they're having a, a service tonight. Maybe I ought to go to that. It's the Holy Spirit working in you. God's working in you to put his desires, his thoughts in you. Work out your own Salvation, and it's God that's working in you. And so what's happening in you is it's the Spirit of God working in you. But God wants you to be responsible. So often what we wind up doing is we want to live our Christian life by proxy. I'll put an extra $10 in the offering this week. Let the pastor do the visitation. Let him live the Christian life for me, you know. I'll let the pastoral staff, they'll do it. No, you can't live your life by proxy. You have to live it out yourself. You've got to do it yourself. You have to be the Christian that God calls you to be. We have to take responsibility. I remember when I was first saved, we had this wonderful Christian teacher in Sunday school. His name was Arthur Frankel. Arthur Frankel was a Jewish believer who really knew the Bible, the Old Testament, backwards and forwards. And he was my Sunday school teacher. I would love to hear him teach the word. And I remember going to him as a new Christian again and again, all sorts of questions. Well, I had been saved for maybe a year or a year and a half. And I had come to him with one of my questions again. And I said, Brother Arthur. And he stunned me. He said, "Um, did you pray about it? Pray about it? Well, I have the answer man right here. It's easier to come to you. <laughs> said, did you pray about it? He was helping me to become dependent upon God. He was helping me to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling before God. And I still remember the Bible he gave me. It was a New American Standard, and I heard some amens. <laughs> I know that's some of your favorite Bibles. Uh, a New American Standard with an orange cover and And he encouraged me to get into the book for myself. Paul the Apostle says the work of salvation is a disciplined walk. I must walk in obedience to God. Obeying not only when I'm around a strong Christian influence, not only when some good godly mentor is with me, but when I'm all by myself and no one knows me or I'm just at home by myself. I must give my life in service to God. I was saved to serve. Jesus poured himself out in service. And Jesus gave us that example. Paul followed that example and said, follow me as I'm following Christ. But also it's a designated work. We're to work on ourselves. You know those quirks those things that you need to change, 
things that you need to grow in, the Spirit of God places his finger on it and says, change that. Lord, you're getting too close. Well, we want God to work in us and submit ourselves to him, work it out with fear and trembling because it's the God of heaven, the creator, the almighty, who himself is reaching down into your heart, speaking to you about changing things in your life. And thirdly, it's a devoted witness. A devoted witness. In verse 15, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars. God wants us to be guiding stars, constellations in the heavens so that people could look at our lives and they could understand God better and our lives would bring people to God. Shining stars. It says that the righteous will shine like stars. They'll be wise and they'll lead many to the Lord. I'm paraphrasing it. How do you do that? What's practical ways that we can obey? Practical ways that we could live this disciplined walk and express the work of God in our life? Well, by joyful living in an unhappy world. In verse 14 and 18, do everything without complaining or arguing. Everything. Not some things, not one thing, everything. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so you should be glad and rejoice with me. What Paul is doing is he's bringing up the Old Testament passages found in the book of Exodus, where the Israelites were constantly complaining. There's this echo here as you read the text. The backdrop for it is found in the Old Testament where the people, when they were let out, they complained. Complained about what they were eating. Complained about the water. Complained that they didn't have food like they did in Egypt. Complained, complained. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 10.10, it says this, And don't murmur against God and his dealings with you as some of them did. For that is why God sent his angel to destroy them. All these things happened to them as examples, as object lessons to us, to warn us against doing the same things. They were written down so that we could read about them and learn from them in these last days as the world nears its end. Remember he's talking about the body of Christ at Philippi. He's talking about corporately and individually. Don't murmur and complain. People complain about this and complain about that, complain about the other thing. We're a nation of complainers, really. When you look at America, it's a nation of complainers. We have been so blessed, so abundantly blessed, but yet we just are in this terrible habit of complaining. In Exodus 16.8, Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. What Moses was saying to the people of Israel, he says, you're not grumbling against myself, Aaron, uh, Moses and Aaron, but against God. 
So we go along and we're grumbling about this, complaining about that, complaining about the other thing. That creates disunity. That creates a bad testimony. That's carnality. I think um, the old song, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Kent Hughes comments on these verses. I'd like to read his words to you. Listen very carefully to them. Even more, we can convince ourselves that a critical spirit is a virtue. We have probably all met someone who claimed to have the gift of criticism. After all, someone needs to have the courage to say what I know everyone is thinking. Besides, a little disdain for others will be good for them. We wouldn't want them to think too highly of themselves, would we? Some healthy grumbling and questioning will help this ship sail right. Well, it may create a shipwreck of your soul and the souls of other people. Paul says, we are to be joyful in an unhappy world. He was chained to a prison guard. He was in shackles. He was in difficult straits. There were people lying about him, doing all sorts of things. But yet Paul the Apostle says he's going to rejoice. I think about Dr. Gary Oliver. Man, what an incredible testimony. He said that rejoicing, and that's really what the text says too, it, rejoicing in the Lord is not a matter of your feelings. It's a matter of your will. You choose to rejoice in the Lord. Gary Oliver had five cancer surgeries. He lost his wife to cancer. He lost his son in an accident. And yet, he wouldn't stop praising the Lord. It's not to say that he didn't feel sorrow or sadness or depression at times, but he rejoiced in the Lord. Paul the Apostle is saying, we are to rejoice. We keep our eyes focused on heaven. We keep our eyes focused on the gift of salvation. We keep our eyes focused on the one who suffered for us and so willingly will endure suffering. I received an email from some good friends of mine. And years ago, Boris had escaped Iran through the mountains of Turkey. He's been to our church years ago here. Recently, his father passed away. His father-in-law, rather, passed away, Norik. That's Lydia's father, uh, Boris's wife. Norik was 79 years old. He had prostate cancer. And he was wasting away. He was like a skeleton. And Boris said it really hurt him to see his father-in-law suffering like that. And the hospital no longer could keep him. They said, listen, we can't do anything more for him. And so they sent him to the nursing home. Now, Norik, in the 1950s, was one of the founder of the Assemblies of God in Iran. He won thousands of Armenians and Muslims to the Lord. He went into this nursing home, very difficult to communicate, and he, his two daughters went to visit him. Lydia shared how, as they were walking in the hall, they saw an older man, and they said, what are you here for? And they said, well, our father is here. And they began to talk to this older gentleman about their father 
and how he had walked with the Lord and part of his journey. And at the end of the conversation, this older man said, well, I know where he's going. He's going up. And they said to him, well, where are you going? He said, down. And Lydia said, would you like to go up? Well, I don't know how to. And they explained to him the plan of salvation. And he accepted Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. He said the next day, 24 hours later, Norik had passed away. And then it, it made sense to Boris. He said, because when I was in the hospital and I was visiting my father-in-law and I was wondering why he suffered so much, a still small voice said to me, I have kept him for this place, meaning the nursing home. And there, in his dying hours, Norik's presence meant that another man came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. We can rejoice in the most difficult of circumstances, in the hardest of places, in the most difficult of trials. That's what Paul is saying. Joyful living in an unhappy world and straight living in a crooked world. That's what a witness will do. Shining like lights. Why are you joyful? I know Jesus. You're going through so much. Doesn't matter, I know the Lord. But straight living in a crooked world. Verse 15. So that you become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. America is going further and further away from God. We're leaving the Christian values that once our nation held very dearly. Back in the 90s, there was an article in one of the news magazines called The Day America Told the Truth. And part of the research showed this. And I want to read to you excerpts from the research. It said, in this work, research showed 91% of Americans lie routinely. 91%. 36 confess to dark, important lies. 86% lie regularly to their parents. 75% lie to friends. 73% to siblings, 69% to their spouses, 81% lie about feelings, 43 concerning income, 40% about sex, 74% of Americans will steal from those who won't miss it. You know, as you read the statistics, they're frightening. Back in New Jersey and Rutgers University, there was a a man who was attending the university and he wrote a book called Cheating 101. It was an 87 page guide to academic guile. It says, cheating offers the finer points of plagiarism, swiping exams and passing answers right under the professor's nose. The benefits and fundamentals of earning an easy A. Now don't go and buy that book. But what happens is we're living in a country, we're living in a nation, we're living in a time where people no longer value the Ten Commandments. In fact, 
Very few of them feel that all Ten Commandments apply to us today. But they do. They do. Let me say it once more. They do. If we're going to be witnesses in our world, if we're going to have a witness and shine like lights, Paul is concerned that we do that and we be that. And he's concerned that we live joyfully in an unhappy world. Not everything that happens to you feels good. But you can rejoice in the Lord. Not everything that happens is good. But we rejoice in the Lord. We have a mindset. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to thank him. Because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And I have really the greatest gift ever given. The gift of my salvation. And we're going to live a straight life in a crooked world. That means that you might not get a promotion because you're honest and you won't be dishonest. That means that you might not get ahead because you're not willing to lie. You're not willing to cheat. You're not willing to cut corners. Well, what's more important, getting ahead or pleasing God? Being a success in the world or being a success before God? Paul the Apostle It says, work out your own salvation. Don't come into the church on a Sunday morning and sit back and say, okay, somehow by osmosis I'm going to get it. Somehow I'm going to come and sit in a congregation and that's going to be it. No, no, no. It's far more than that. It's the way you walk. You need to walk a, a disciplined life of obedience and service in the kingdom. It's the work of your salvation. God doesn't want you passively to sit by and just expect him to zap you and all of a sudden everything's going to be okay. No, there's some changes you've got to make. There's some changes you've got to work on. There's some discipline. You have to go to the spiritual gym and work out spiritually. Letting God work in you, submitting to him. You have to be willing to be a devoted witness. We are called to be witnesses. It's more than just the words that we say. It's the life that we live. And part of the life that we live is joyfulness in an unhappy world. Well, pastor, if you knew my circumstances, well, I don't know your circumstances, and I'm sure they're difficult at times. But are you saved? Do you know Christ? Has he washed you in the blood of the Lamb? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? If it is... Rejoice in the Lord. Thank him for that. And I know it's hard, and you cast your burden upon the Lord. And there are times to weep. There are times of sorrow. But it doesn't take away from the times of rejoicing. Paul the Apostle spoke from the vantage point of experience. And live a straight living in a crooked world. Uh, This morning, as we bring the message to a close, I, I just want to ask you, In this spiritual journey, in this wonderful gift of salvation that God has given you, how are you applying yourself? It's the greatest gift ever given. It's the greatest treasure that anyone could have. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God that's working in you. Commonly called the Book of Joy, Philippians is a powerful book to Christians. 
This book exhorts us to have joy in the midst of trying times, to be united as Christians by our head, Jesus Christ, and to be people with testimonies in our communities that are known to be honorable. Each day here on Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will be teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. This 19-part series will certainly encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Perhaps today's message sparked a thought in your mind, an area in your walk with Jesus where you need to grow. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select today's date from the Voice of Faith media player. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join us as Pastor Ed continues teaching through the book of Philippians right here on Voice of Faith.